Help me to thread that needle, though. How does one accept by not accepting, though? By screaming about it, crying about it, yelling about it. And then when you when I did that for a while, then there was nothing to yell about anymore. This is the practice of acceptance. I don't accept as is acceptance because it's just his truth. It starts right here, deep in your heart. Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger bring over 90 years of clinical experience to this important podcast, and they offer you a guarantee. You will gain something of personal value from each episode. And now, what matters most? It starts right Welcome, everybody, to Start Right Here. I'm Tom Rutledge, and I'm with Dr. Alan Berger. I, I, didn't, I didn't forget your name there when I hesitated. I was just... I, I was, you had one of those senior moments. Well, no, I was, I, you know, I've got my ukulele here today. I was thinking, I'm thinking about learning to play the ukulele today, and uh, we'll get to that later. But um, no, Dr. Alan Berger, uh, and we have been doing this, and, and we've been talking, and this late, latest conversation, certainly, I mean, all conversations involve you, Patrick, but, but, but this one in particular has in terms of, of, because it kind of comes in and out of the stuff with the, the political scene these days. The, when we started talking um, last time about the topic, which was how do you handle it when you don't get your way, basically, when things don't go your way, which is what, by the way, what I always tell, what I've told uh, women all of my career is, is this is what you, you know, when you're dating somebody, you find somebody, you're new to date, that's what you want to find out. You find out how, how the, you know, every, any, everybody's charming. And, 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 but, but you, you know, when they don't get their way, they're going to show you exactly who they are and believe them and, and move on if you, if you need to, but it, 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 it really, but it really does come down to what, how you, how we respond when we don't get our way really uh, tells us a lot about our character. And it's certainly one way that I have changed in my life tremendously. Hey, that doesn't only go for women dating. I'll tell you, I, I share that with guys at date too, because it's also very evident. I'll tell you when things that is okay. the test, isn't it? Right. I mean, okay. it really okay. is the test. Yeah. And yeah. when, when a gal you're dating doesn't get her way, how does she deal with it? You know, does she make you wrong? Does she blame you? And same thing with the, if you're a gal dating a guy, mm -hmm. what happens at that point? And also yeah. for us to look at ourselves in that, right. I mean, it's right. such, you know, remember that remember that saying that was going around for a while? It's uh, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. <laughs> I, no, I, I, never, I, I didn't I didn't hear that one. I never, that I've never I've never tried to get away with that. I, I don't think it go over too well. If I, you can't handle me at my well, look, but there's more truth in that. Well, then 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 than not, Patrick. I, you're right. I mean, I, I don't think you'd lead to it if you were dating a gal. <laughs> I mean, and we'll no. say that. <laughs> but yeah. But it is the reality, right? I mean, it's so true. It is. The yeah, reality. yeah. Well, I think the telling part there would be is if, if you're if you're saying that on a first date. <laughs> yeah, that's like, right. And if they no. keep dating you, then you. <laughs> no, but but look, it, maybe if we revise it and said, if you can't handle me at my worst, 
then I don't think we're going to be able to have much of a relationship because <laughs> I can't guarantee you that I'm not going to bring my worst in here at times. Well, and, and well, you, but that's true. But it's not just dating, dating. When we talk about marriage, when we talk about long-term commitment, you know, Alan, you and I both know it's like, like going, no, that, that really, there really is a lot of truth to what, what Patrick said. That, that was a great, it's like, Okay. You, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's about deserving, but it's it's certainly right. Yeah, that, I, never, I, had, <laughs> I had I had never thought about that turned around to 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 women, and I, that makes sense because it makes sense that people like I do believe that what I just said earlier that, that when we don't how we respond when we don't get our way when things don't go our way that, you know does tell this is very telling about you know you know anybody can have a good day on a good day you know it's like let's, right. let's let's find out what happens otherwise but I, I think I think it's because I, <laughs> I I think this is just telling of me I think it's because that in my drinking years and days and I mean I was just such a ridiculous son of a bitch that i just i i you know i just i'm using myself as a role model in that that's this, right yeah, yeah. Situation. you're warning them against the tom yeah, yeah. in the world. I've, ne <laughs> I've never yeah i've never even gotten through to the part where i actually thought oh it could go both ways that's, that's, <laughs> that's so true well, that's, that's really and and look and it, for all of us i mean you know look if you want a measure of your emotional maturity that's a really good area to start looking at Absolutely. Because, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? That is, mm -hmm. that's the, that's the, you know, the, the real indication the, of, of where you're at in terms of your, your growth. Well, it's the, it's the, you know, and in fact, Rick, I was just, I was just writing some stuff for you actually, or with you uh, earlier today about integrity and just, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I, I like to have, you know, I like to have fun every day and, and, and have a nice time. And most days I can find joy or fun in, in something, but that's, that isn't the measure of who we are. That's, you know, that all that tells you is, you know, that I'm, that I have a good sense of humor and I, you know, might be fun to hang out with, but it's like, it's like the measure is integrity. The in measure is how, how congruent we live with, live uh, with our value system at the end of the day. And, and that's, you know, that, that was, that has, we've talked about that some here before, but I mean, I, I cannot emphasize enough for people who, who are anywhere similar to how what my history has been is what, a, what freedom coming to understand that has given me. It's like, because it's not about, it's not about self-love. It's not about being happy. It's, you know, all these other things. And it's, it's, it's about, being the best person I can be and, and everything, everything that I'm learning along with you and, and from you about emotional sobriety is that's one of the reasons that the stuff I look back that I've been writing for years seems to fit into it. So, so well, because that's what it is about. It's about integrity. Yeah. Yeah. And honesty. Oh, I, I love that thought for the day that you shared. So let's just put it out there, what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So you Vince, mm -hmm. um, Tom and I are writing a book called Emotional Sobriety One Day at a Time. Yep. And we're writing 365 different um, thoughts for today. Mm -hmm. And um, you're popular. I know. Is it for Maddie? Yeah, it's for Maddie. <laughs> My little Maddie's getting her friend Ava's calling. And I love that. <laughs> So if you could just start again with your book promotion and then I'll just cut out the phone ring. All right. 
So look, one of the exciting things that we're doing right now, Tom, is is you and I and Vince, our Vince Hyman, Vince. <laughs> I was introduced to Vince through Hazelton when I wrote 12 Smart Things to Do When the Booze and Drugs Are Gone. And he's been with me through uh, the three books since then, and actually four books since then. And he's a fantastic editor. And I just I just love the guy's energy. And so the three of us what a team, the three musketeers, right? Know, <laughs> you know, we're writing this book, <laughs> Emotional Sobriety, One Day at a Time. Thought for today, the measure of your integrity includes how you treat yourself. Emotional sobriety is much more about self-respect than self-love. Some personal growth therapists and teachers teach, even preach, that one of the most important things we can be doing in our lives is learning to love ourselves. First of all, for those of us who have spent many years, maybe a lifetime, hating ourselves, the idea that we can <laughs> that we are now supposed to reverse course and begin to love ourselves can be a, an overwhelming, can be, what an order, I can't go through it. <laughs> It, right? It's no, 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 no. What? <laughs> I know. Consider that there may be something that is more important than self-love, something more important than a daily pursuit of happiness. That's something that is more important is self-respect. Speaking practically, even on a bad day, a day when you are far from your biggest fan, your integrity can remain fully intact. In emotional sobriety. That is the ultimate measure of ourselves at the end of the day and at the end of our lives. Who we are is not about what happens to us. It is about how we respond. Mm -hmm. Try this. Make two lists. One, a list of uh, a few negative, self-defeating, self-critical statements from your inner saboteurs. The second list is a list of true statements about you that reflect integrity. The two lists do not need to do battle with one another. Just hang on to your list and be aware of how you feel about both of the lists coexisting. Bonus suggestion, see if you can add to your second list over the next few days. So that that's good. I just wrote that. I appreciate you reading that back to me. <laughs> that's good. I, I read, it, read it when you sent it over earlier and I just said, uh, my God, this we can even bring that into... Look, into dealing with what do we do when yeah. when things don't go the way we want it, them to it, and how it, do it, we handle them? And look, if if your yeah. goal is at the end of dealing with that, if you're feeling good about yourself, then you've done it. Then yeah. you have accomplished yeah. the most important thing you right. have met. You have met that disaster, that disappointment with integrity. And you walk away feeling good about yourself. Well, and the, the irony to what the other stuff I wrote there and the other we talk about there is, is, and this doesn't happen. This is not a direct cause and effect thing is what I found. But what I've discovered in, in that being my daily practice for, for many years now is, and, you know, imperfect though it is, I, you know, I've been very dedicated to that is that what that what does that bring you? Happiness. It brings you contentment, happiness. It, it brings me the, the less to do the emotional sobriety uh, part of that. Less dependence. I, I, I'm not depend. I don't have to have. I don't have to have. It's exactly what we're talking about. I have, don't have certain outcomes in order to be okay. It's like you know, I I I get done what I needed to get done. That's right. And see, that's that. That's such an important part. And I I wanted to. As we approach this topic today, I wanted to start to talk about some of the, what I like to think about the big lies that are underneath 
our difficulty in handling these disappointments. And yeah, we talked about four of them in a meeting the other day, but I, the one I wanted to focus on here was just this idea that life isn't supposed to have disappointment in it. Yeah. That somehow, if we're going to live, be happy and live a good life, that somehow it's sterile. <laughs> I mean, that yeah, it's yeah. it's sterilized from any negative yeah. stuff, yeah. any negative feelings, any negative experiences, any pain, you know, any disappointment. Yeah, that's an aberration and that we have to get it back on track. It's like it's off track if, if that's what's happening. It's off track. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then what happens yeah. when this stuff happens to us instead of saying, look, my job is to figure out how to deal with this now. You know, this is what a, this is a, a mm -hmm. given in life. Disappointments are going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's unfortunate. But, you know, the, life is what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Whenever I fight. Or, or maybe not even unfortunate. I mean, it's like well, it's, 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 it's our language. It's, yeah, it's, like, right. it's like we don't we may not like it. I mean, we that's might right. say that, that's but, the unfortunate but, part. Right. Right. See, I don't call it unfair. See, I like the word unfortunate better than unfair okay. because okay. unfair puts you like, oh, my God, everything's against me. Unfortunate yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah shit's going to happen. And here it is. So now it. what am I going to do with it? Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I'd rather it not too bad, <laughs> but it is what it is. So, well, you know, it's kind of like yeah. back to the of course thing that you and I say. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, this is happening. It's going to happen in my life. Now, how do I show up? How do I cope with this? How do I meet that and 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 still find a way to appreciate the experience? See, right. that becomes such an important. Sometimes it takes a while to appreciate that disappointment. Yeah, it's like, yeah. And, 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 and let's, let's be, since we're also playing with words here a little bit too, the, the word appreciate can, is, is a little tricky there because it is appreciate, but, but it, appreciate doesn't mean like, hey, I appreciate you. Like, uh, you, know, you know, thanks for the present. I appreciate that. It's, it's appreciate, it has to do with acknowledging it, accepting it, you know, understanding that it's part of the whole. That's you know, right. is, is the idea the that, 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 right. that what we do every day of our lives is we solve problems. And yeah. the idea that, that problems are seen as, as a negative thing, you know, is, is like you go like, well, not not really. I mean, you know, I, I give silly examples like, you know, like, like you know, at the, at, you know, uh, if, if I, if I need to be, if I'm at the, my office and I need to be home at the end of the day, uh, I'm don't, I'm finished with clients. It's like, uh, I got a problem. I'm not in the right place. So I got to solve that problem. What do you do? Well, it's the same process with any other problems. It's like, I understand totally unconsciously that I have to, in order to get to my car, I have to stand up from my chair. You know, I have to go do the, these, these process. We go through all that stuff. We never, we never think of that as a, as problematic, but it's like, we're solving problems. We're changing things that we need to change. And that's, and, and, and we're being dealt these hands, you know, we use, to mix our metaphors, uh, the cards, you know, we're being dealt these, these hands of cards uh, all the time. And our job is to be good card players. Yes. You know, there was an experience, uh, the meeting that we had on Thursday and there was a woman who was suffering. Mm -hmm. I think that what, and I struggle with this as well. It's um, the pain you're feeling and then the steps you take for yourself to kind of come back from that pain or to work through it. And I think that like, it takes a while to learn to, um, to acknowledge that there are actions you can take when people criticize therapists, you know, or some, some of the criticisms they make, it's, um, 
well, they're just kind of validating all they're doing is validating my opinion or, you know, telling mm-hmm. me what I want mm-hmm. to hear. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, my first experience with Dr. Berger is he'll always present you with, these are some actions you can take. Emotional sobriety is about the work, right? That takes place mm-hmm. after the feeling. Patrick, I just want to interrupt you. That was great. What you just said, when you said the work starts after the feeling occurs, that's so true because there's that point. You know, I love it one time, Tom, you called it the recovery decision. Yeah. You know, it's almost like we could call it the emotional sobriety decision now. Mm-hmm. You know, is at that point, do you find a way to not be victimized by the experience or do you just cave into the experience? Right. Do you implode with it? And when you implode with it, you know, not only is this, it's almost like you turn against yourself. Now it's two against nobody. What happens is you, you turn, we say, we say you turn against yourself and we're trying to, we want somebody not to be against themselves, but what they, what they feel is they feel like others are against them. Yeah. You know, and it's like, everybody, everybody's, everybody's against me. And it's like, you know, and I, I just think one of the hardest things <laughs> I've got a couple of clients right now is a couple. And then another individual client that where it's like, I'm, I'm struggling with some of this because, because uh, it's just, it, it, it's, it's always a, gr- a growing edge for me. It's like, it's like, I, you know, I, I wonder if I'm doing this good enough job at helping people understand that if you're, you know, just that point that I absolutely believe in, which is that if you're, if you're going to change, I mean, if you got a problem with this, or if you got you got a problem with it, it regardless of what it is, the change has to be c- coming from you. That's what therapy is. That's what recovery is. It's it's not to say other people aren't don't have a part of it. I mean, you could be a complete fucking asshole to me. It's like, but the, but w- w- how I'm going to deal with that has to start, in, you know, basically start and end with me. Yes. I, I tell everybody this. It's an, it's an interesting little story and it's it's not a traumatic thing but it's an example of what to do in the face of somebody um trying to humiliate you and put you down mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so um i had a uh, an office right by the torrance airport on sky park drive it was called and there was on the other side of the airport there were these the little shopping mall right and um open you know the stores one of those strip malls kind of thing mm-hmm so they opened up a uh, Southwestern um, Indian art store, right? Which had all these great statues and other stuff from the Native American Indians, First Nation people, like they call them up in Canada. I love that First Nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, they were going out of business and I love that kind of art. So I went over there to, they were going to have an auction. Mm-hmm. I never participated in an auction before. Mm-hmm. This was probably 30 years ago. And um, I show up, there's about, you know, 40 people there and you got to give them your hundred dollars cash and then you get a number mm-hmm. so that you can, you know, hold it up when you're doing the auction and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yep, yep. you know, the, the auctioneer is starting off his thing and he's give, going through all the how we're going to do this and, and how it proceeds and stuff like that. And so then he puts this first sand painting up which is amazing. They take sand and they lay it down and they put it in a frame and they paint it's I, it's it's to me, it's beautiful art. I mean, beautiful art, and it's this, it this, uh, this little boy drumming, right? This, and I loved it, and so I want the thing. So he's, let's say, he opens a bid at twenty dollars. So he's going, all right, I, I we're going to start the bid at twenty dollars. Twenty dollars, do it. Who's going to make the first bid? And I go ahead, twenty two dollars and fifty cents. 
<laughs> and he stops the place and he looks at me. He says, no, 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 no. I, there's no, we don't, there's no room for cheapskates here. You're going to bid in $5 increments or you're not going to bid at all. Well, as he's talking, I'm shrinking. <laughs> I mean, oh I'm feeling so humiliated and so embarrassed that now, you know, now he's called me out and I'm feeling so. Well, well you, you, you stopped the auctioneer from talking. I've got power. And now he's going to use me as a case in point to make sure they're going to bid in five dollar increment. Oh my and God. then I said to him as I was shrinking in my humiliation. Right. <laughs> I'm just shrinking, you know. All of a sudden, I, I caught myself and I says, wait a minute. You, you, when you said you don't want any cheapskates here, I think every one of us are in here looking for a good deal. Is there mm -hmm. something really wrong with that? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, when I said that, I was restored to full size. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was able to not let him define me. And I made it OK that I was a cheapskate. Instead of him trying to shame me because I wanted a good deal. Everybody right. in there was looking for a good deal. That's why you go to an auction. That's why you go to an auction, <laughs> as I pointed out to the guy. But at that moment when he says, oh, no, no, no cheapskates. And I got so embarrassed and humiliated. Yeah. I mean, I swear. But that was that thing is that somehow I caught myself and I said, wait a minute. Is it wrong that I want a good deal? No. Yeah. And I was able to come back and assert myself. Oh, and you not only you were able to do that, you were able to do it before you were driving home. That's the kind of response you come up with on the yes. way home from those things. Usually. Oh, I should have said this. Yeah, I'm great you know? at those. The uh, the, the witty <laughs> oh, comeback hours that's, later. Yeah, yeah that's, I, that's usually what I would do, too. But, you know, and then when I said that, everybody laughed. I mean, it like that's what, that's, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to say you you won everybody over when you said that. Oh, it's totally. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. totally. Yeah. I think I had a few pats on the back on the way out the door it. after the auction was over, even mm -hmm. because it totally changed the atmosphere. And I think he even appreciated that I just didn't mm -hmm. cave in because it created such a shaming atmosphere. Right, there's right. so much toxicity to it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, where did that come from? I don't know. Maybe the years of work or something like that. That mm -hmm. word came back to mind saying, is it really a terrible thing that I want a good deal? Come on now. <laughs> Give me that's a break great. here. That's great. But that's did an example. Get, did, did, you get the, did you get the painting? I did get it, you know, and it's one of my favorite paintings. I love I it. I tell love you. it. I for for you more than it. one mm -hmm. reason now. Mm -hmm. Oh, Not yeah, because I love the painting, but yeah. because it has this meaning of that moment in my life where I just didn't cave in. Well, you, you yeah, I love those times where you surprise yourself even, you know, it's like that's that's the celebration. Talk about a happy moment. It's like like yes. it's, it's like, oh, way to go, Tom. Way to go, Alan. It's like well, you, you did good. It's like. It's like <laughs> No, and I did. And you're right. And had I walked out, first of all, if I, I, I might not have even thought it, I would have just resented the guy, right? And I would have come up with all yeah. kinds of, of diagnoses for him and stuff like that because I'm resenting him, right? Yeah. Piss off therapist, right? Because we can that's diagnose right, That's right. That's right. And, and, and he would have hurt so badly over that. Is yeah. that <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, I think there's sadness and there's hope in the knowledge that you need to show up for yourself, right? You can't expect others to always be kind to you or always yeah, consider right. your feelings. And there's a sting when you uh, first acknowledge that, but there's something I can do to 
kind of restore what's broken here, right? Very well. well. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think that I think the other piece of that is actually uh, it's kind of embedded in that a little bit. That it occurs to me though that that when we think when we think about other other examples of where people feel sh- shut down because they feel rejected or hurt, this kind of stuff is in your story. What you did is you re you 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 came back to, to full size and you reconnected to the group. Yeah. It's like so you you were not you were not isolated. That's and, right. and all you were doing was representing yourself. That's I mean, right. that's, I mean, it, it's like, I mean, in fact, I'm going to write this down. It's like, because it, emotional sobriety, you know, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're doing a good job, you know, we'll do a, we can maybe we'll do a, a Jeff Foxworthy thing. If you, if you're doing a good job representing yourself, then you, you might be emotionally sober. That's right. There you go. That's a uh, great. Yeah. One. Yeah. Listen to this quote from, um, this is um, two authors that I just love. Dr. Irving and Miriam Polster. And mm-hmm. listen to what they say. They go, if one person's freedom depends exclusively on another person allowing it, he or she loses his own sense, his or her own sense of the power they must exercise in protecting and defining their own psychological space from natural incursions on it. Wow, that's a complicated, yeah, it's a complicated sentence. It's a very complicated sentence, but there's a lot of wisdom in it. Mm -hmm. If one person's freedom depends exclusively on another person allowing it, meaning I'm dependent on what the other person is doing, Mm -hmm. on a kind auctioneer, on a a thoughtful therapist, or whatever Mm -hmm. the situation Mm -hmm. may be, then we lose our own sense of the power we must exercise in protecting and defining our own psychological space from natural incursions on it, Got meaning it. meaning it's going to happen. I mean, people are going to step on your toes, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. And my job is, is what do I do when my toes get stepped on? I can object to it. Oh, right. my God, you shouldn't step on my toes. Well, yeah, that does right. a lot of good. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you, your toes have already been stepped on. My toes on. have been like stepped like, on. I got to deal with them. I mean. Well, the, I get the second part of that sentence. And I understand why it's complicated now, because the second part of the sentence is the more powerful part of that, which is it, it, it says if we if we're giving our power away to, to one person, you know, to I would even say like one person or one group or whatever to to have to take that from us, then we are advocating our responsibility to to practice to practice self-representation and self-protection. That's right. There you because go. Because they're, they're talking about they're talking about the response that we can't forget the responsibility that we each have. And that's one of the main messages that, that and what I was talking about a little bit earlier, too, was the idea of the mess, the message of of it's it's like. Is, you know, I always want people, I, I sometimes overly disclaim, I think some of my codependence is still there and there, the idea of this, this, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be mean about this. It's like, but the responsibility is yours. Yes. How you respond is up to you. And it's like, um, now, now, actually, I'm getting a little therapy here right now because I'm realizing I can probably let go of, of having, to, having to do those, those codependent disclaimers because I realize that I've, lear- I've learned not to take that personally when people, when people remind me that I need to, that it's my responsibility to take care of myself. So maybe I can, maybe I can en- encourage others to do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I get that. I hear you. Yeah. So, you know, and this, and this goes into how do I deal with when a disappointment happens in my life? It's the same thing. How do I find the ability to respond to it, to protect my integrity, Mm -hmm. to, to maintain myself? And the first thing is, is to let go of this idea that I need that situation to be different than it is to be okay. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that you talked about earlier, Tom, when you talked about this appreciation, see, I, I think we're all still very much into immediate gratification. So a lot of times I want to know the solution to this right now. Mm-hmm. Let me yeah, figure this yeah, out yeah. right at this moment. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm certain when I say this, you're going to say I've experienced that. Mm-hmm. There's been experiences in my life that have taken sometimes a decade distance from to appreciate what that experience really meant. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. And for me personally, uh, I would mediate with drugs and alcohol, <laughs> you know, I mm-hmm. mean, that would be my solution right. to, uh, uh, you know, mediating the experience. So this is uh, mm-hmm. valuable and, you know, all very recent. Uh, mm-hmm. that these processes are even taking place to deal with what is disappointing, what is painful, mm-hmm. right? That's right. That that kind of soothes us, right, to drinking and stuff like that. It soothes the pain that we're having and stuff like that. But, you know, back to this thing about the appreciation of it, it's, it's like when I get distance and I look back at that experience, I see a meaning in it that I couldn't see when I was too, when I was close to it. Well, di- distance fine. time and, and what, 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 what Patrick is saying is for, for those of us who are addict sobriety, That's you know, right. it's like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean, ba- basically, you know, you know, we're listening uh, because we're, we're in our shit. We're listening. Yeah. We're looking at it through, you know, shit color glasses. It's like, right. we're not going to be able to see any of that stuff. So, so that's I it. Know. Yeah. But, 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 but 10 years, you know, insight is hindsight. Yeah, it's like it's it's like we our our conscious mind overestimates its value all the time. I think and thinks we're gonna we're gonna create changes with insight. It's like that maybe that happens. I don't know, but it's like I you know it, the best insights are the ones where we can tell us you know if we want to tell us we could all tell a story about what's going on with us right now in our lives, and then we could do a thing we could we may do this experiment sometime. Then six months later we we'll we'll, we'll mark the date and say let's tell a story about what was going on in our lives. It'll yeah. be a different story. Yes. You know, we're too we're too close. We, well, we I, I, I got it. I've got one of those things that that how it changed over time. So. I, I went and did my doctorate up at UC Davis. It was a very psychoanalytic program. I mean, incredibly. So we were admitted. We weren't a department of psychology. We were a graduate group in clinical psychology that was housed in the department of psychiatry. So it was a unique program. There was only three other programs like it in the United States. And I wanted to go to that program because it was hands-on. You were working in the hospital, working in clinics. I mean, it was that kind of a program because we were, mm-hmm. we were frontline, right? We were part of the frontline staff. So um, part of the requirement, which they don't have in many programs anymore, is we had to be in therapy while we were in the program. And you know that, and I know that, Tom, they've dropped that requirement in a lot of programs, which to me is quite unfortunate because it was oh, valuable. Now, I ended up being in therapy with a fellow by the name of Dr. John Batista. 
brilliant psychiatrist. I mean, I, I mean, he's so talented. He took over Scott Peck's practice, the guy that wrote the book, The wow. Road Less Traveled. Wow. He, he got the offer. He moved back to Connecticut. He's now, he's now running that practice. Scott Peck passed away, and he picked up the work. But no, John, no pressure. I know, no pressure. Right? <laughs> but that's how talented John is, is yeah, that yeah. When, when Dr. Peck met him, I mean, mm. he is so sharp. Well, the, the kind of therapy he did was existential analysis. So I was never in therapy where you laid on a couch before. Mm-hmm. So I would come into therapy. I'd lay on the couch. He'd mm-hmm. sit over here behind me and we'd talk about things or I'd talk and he'd listen and reflect. He, you know, existential right. analysis right. was more active and humanistic than traditional classical psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. So I remember one day I was talking about my father and um, I was just telling him about, you know, how I looked up to him and how what a great man he was. And I'm just going on and on about his wonderful attributes. And then he said one line, he goes, you really idealize your father. And I had this reaction. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, I got defensive. Of course I do. He's a great man. Are you? Because it, it was in my mind, he was implying that I was doing something wrong mm-hmm. because I idealized him. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't share that with him. <laughs> of course right, not, right? Right, uh, right, right? You know, but and now when I look back, God, that would have been a great thing to talk over. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that happened. So go four years later. Mm-hmm. I'm on a plane flying to Hawaii and I'm going to be a keynote speaker at a men in recovery conference. And I'm reading this book called men without or no Knights K N I G H T S Knights without armor by Dr. Mm-hmm. Aaron Kipnis. Great book, by the way, mm-hmm. recommend it to anyone Knights without armor. So I'm, I'm going over there and he's talking about the hero's journey for men. You know, he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's pulling up some of the work of, uh, um, God, I'm blocking his name right now. The guy that talks jo- about kids, Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he was talking about how when men go on this journey, that they have this idea that they have to deny certain parts of themselves and now emphasize other parts of themselves that fit with their idea of this night that they have to be. Mm-hmm. And then he talked about that most men suffer in silence. They won't share it. And then it hit me what Dr. Batista said. Mm-hmm. I idealized my father, but when my dad died of cancer, he never talked. I idealized the fact that he suffered in silence. Mm-hmm. What a tough guy he was. Mm-hmm. And then at that moment, I realized all of the things that his suffering in silence prevented me and my, the rest of my family from experiencing with him. Mm-hmm. He did ever talked about the pain of leaving and dying when he was 39 years old, saying goodbye, what it meant for him to be a father and having cancer. I mean, all of these things that would have been such now when I look back, such an important part of my experience in saying goodbye to him mm-hmm. never happened. Yeah. And at that one moment, I realized 
what he was telling me. And I could appreciate that experience I had with him. And I, and it just, it went together like that. It's like, yeah, you read it. It's like, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a machine of some kind of, you find a piece that you did, you never had before, but when you, when you get that in there, it runs. Yes. It's like you go, it just starts up and you go like, got That's it. Right. And then I got yeah. it. Then I got that. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. caught in these, in these stereotypes of what it meant to be a man. I mean, he was so trapped in these things. He was a great Mm. guy, but he was a great guy. And there was parts of him that weren't great. This wasn't a great part of him. But I could never see any of that before. Well, but it also wasn't about the Dr. Baptiste was not making a comment that was about great or not great or good or bad. He was making about his existential. He was making about something that is. It's like I was doing that. I was idealizing him. And now I realized what that meant. And it was like that opened up so much. I mean, you know, it was one of these things where. God, it just cracked me open. I don't know how else mm-hmm. to say it. It just cracked me open. Were you able mm-hmm. to to not suffer in silence moving on from that? Yes. It helped me understand some of the work I had been doing is because when I looked back, I did just what my dad did. When he died, I didn't go tell mm-hmm. anybody I was in pain. I tried to take mm-hmm. care of it myself mm-hmm. at 11 years old. Yeah, good luck with that, Alan. Right? Yeah. I mean, but I, I could see I did the same thing with him, the same thing. And even in recovery, Patrick, that became a theme in my recovery, the difficulty of letting people see what was going on, starting to talk about what my pain was and stuff like that. And being able to, you know, for me, a lot of it had to do with dealing with my grief and, and the sadness I had over losing my dad at that early an age and stuff like that. So you're right on it. it, it it's it really, really connected a lot of things for me. And I think it's been very beneficial to, to my, my recovery and given me some of that emotional sobriety. Well, and let me, let me just plug this into the, to our theme too, as we're doing that, because talk about something that is, you know, uh, it's, yeah, I get it. Problematic, not, not unfortunate. It feels horrible, you know, um, but by 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 making the choice to learn and i say learn how to not suffer in silence because if we, if we learned it that way we learned it that way you know my you know my dad never you know you know said anything he he, he has he has a story i'll talk about his story one day because it's, it's it's a it's a story of of uh, where shame uh where shame i'm just saying this out loud so you guys can remind me where where shame skips a generation or, so, or something or how, however it did but but anyway where i where i picked up his shame directly um, um, but the, the point I wanted to make wanted to make though was was that by by not suffering in silence, by being open about our disappointments, about our injuries, our hurts, and stuff like that, is what we're doing is we're allowing you know allowing people to, to see us and know us, and it's like, and to me that's the thing that has given me strength to um, to take risk in life. Yes. You know, it's, I mean, this, this is a strange way of connecting with it, but it's what just popped up in my head and and you, you and I will be the same on this one. I think Alan too. So I, you know, I, you know, my favorite way to teach people when we're doing workshops is, is through demonstration, through role plays. It's like, I'd rather do it than just talk about it. And it's like, and, and so, you know, whenever we have, you know, therapists who will come, who will volunteer to role play their difficult client, we know, we know a couple of things. They're going to pick a really difficult client and they're going to, they're going to be more 
difficult than that client would be because what we're really playing is stump the therapist and they're going to, they're going to try to (laughs) try to get us. And it's like, I, and, uh, and we and both of us do pretty well with that, but it's like, but I, but I've had people on a few occasions say, well, it doesn't that scare you though, because how embarrassing would it be that you get stumped? And I go like, I can tell you how embarrassing it is. It's not because, because it's a beautiful opportunity for me just to look at the, the group and say, in, in this situation, I would just be killing time to, till the end of the session because I would need to get some supervision. I don't know what to do here, you know, and, and, and how, how validating is that to other therapists? Because it happens to all of us. It's, it's, it's like, you know, and, and so the idea is the worst case scenario is me just admitting that I'm stumped. I mean, in life, it's like, I don't, you know, there, there's no ego investment and, and, and know it all of them anymore. And it's so much better this way. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the other thing I was going to connect up to the, when I started to really embrace and deal with the pain over my father's death, which was a very, a huge disappointment for me at 11 years old. Yeah. So at, at 19, I really opened up that wound. And what I found in terms of dealing with this, it wasn't rationalizing what had happened. Say, oh, well, everybody's going to die. So just accept it. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I got to acceptance by screaming, I don't want to accept this. <laughs> I got to acceptance by by raging against the, the, the reality of it for for. God, that night that I opened this up, I worked for probably three or four hours on a mat. You remember when we usually actually oh, did yeah, work yeah. on yeah. laying on a mat and stuff like that in a workshop? Mm-hmm. So this room we were in that I did, it was we, it was a weekend encounter group. Mm-hmm. The room had a padded floor. The whole floor was a mat. Mm-hmm. And I was just laying there at some point, screaming, kicking my feet. Tant- tant- tantrum, man. Doing a full tantrum. tantrum. Man, Absolutely. A tantrum on the floor, mm-hmm. shouting, getting mad at God, getting mm-hmm. mad at my mom, getting mad at my dad for dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, screaming this stuff. And after saying all of these outrageous things, acceptance happened. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the spiritual bypass. Yeah. Just jumping to, well, of course, everybody dies. So it's just yeah. something you got to accept. Uh-uh. I got to the acceptance by not accepting it, by screaming about it. By right. it, it, about it. Not only was it not a spiritual bypass, it also, it also wasn't a personal, you know, intrapersonal con job. You weren't just trying to talk yourself into, there I, it and I've, I've certainly done that before where yes. I want to look good. So, so, you know, and I know the right answer, so I'll just go ahead and skip to it. You yes. know, I don't necessarily know I'm doing it at the time. That's where hindsight will kick in and go like, you know, I don't think that was real. Yeah. Uh, but in that case, what you did is, I mean, you really, literally i mean that there's nothing more organic than what you just described and and that and you know, what you did is you cleared so much stuff out whatever was next which is one of the things you always talk about what's next was okay and exactly. it was and 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 it was organically naturally it was acceptance help me to thread that needle though how does one accept without by not accepting though by screaming about it and crying about it, yelling about it. And then when you, when I did that for a while, then there was nothing to yell about anymore. If we take it to our head, Patrick, what I would say is if I'm, if I'm a therapist kind of, kind of analyzing that or describing that to somebody is we're what we're watching this, 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 this man absolutely practice full acceptance. 
because he, he's, you know, I don't, it doesn't, the words don't matter. The fact is that nobody's arguing with him. Nobody, nobody's trying to, to resist what he's doing, and he's no longer resisting it either. This is the practice of acceptance. I don't accept this is acceptance because it's, he's just, it's just his truth. So yeah. next time, you know, you're up against a disappointment, what I would say to you is give, you're a writer. So give yourself permission to rage against the situation that happened mm -hmm. and keep raging until there's no more rage. Keep objecting until there's no more objection. Typically what happened for me is as I got past the anger, then the tears started flowing. Mm -hmm. And somehow I think the tears now that Tom said what he said, that was the beginning of the biological acceptance of the reality. See, in the tears were a reflection of that I was moving in that direction, Patrick. Mm -hmm. So when something's important and it doesn't happen, our natural response, if we don't get in the way, is just to cry about it and feel bad. Mm -hmm. I really wanted this. God, it's just really disappointing. Just, just the deep pain. The of, deep of pain that. of it. But see, if you don't let yourself have it and you have these rules that we talked about, then mm -hmm. when, when, the, when the disappointment happens, the first thing I do is object. It's not right, supposed right. to be happening. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. This isn't the way it's mm -hmm. supposed to be. Life mm -hmm. is supposed to be the way I think it's supposed to be. And so now That's I right. get into all of mm -hmm. my objection to it. And what have I done? I've missed moving into my pain over it. Because I don't want to feel my pain. So, so I'd, I'd rather I'd rather feel my objection. Right. Well, and what you're and what you're saying, given as as a as an exercise to Patrick and to anyone else listening, is you let everybody speak. You know, all the people there. You don't. You basically don't say you and you can talk. You can't. It's like you put it all down. You write it out. You you you, you talk it out. You scream it out. Whatever whatever it is. And, and and now you've made me nostalgic about those those days of of therapy that way. So I want to ask you this question and see if we we line up on this. There's the the rage and the 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 angry pain, all this other stuff, and then there's the tears and the sobbing, and then what comes next? You remember? <laughs> Totally. Right after, no, yeah. before that, laughter. Oh, Think yeah, about there it. was that. There was freedom. <laughs> well, what I experienced was a total freedom, which is where the laughter comes from, too. You're, You're probably right. right. It, that really became, yeah. It made, that, that, because I just, I remember being surprised at how often that people would be going through the deepest, yeah. deepest pain and, and they would laugh. go through that and nobody yeah. was stopping it. We weren't, we weren't, you know, we weren't doing the thing we were distracting with humor and stuff like that. But once you got through it all, they, it, I think it was just joy. Well, I was going to say what I felt at the end of that piece of work. So, you know, I, I literally was either beating a pillow, yelling at a pillar or throwing a tantrum on the floor for about three and a half to four hours. Right. Because pillows really of, pissed us off back in those days. Oh, those pillows, <laughs> they got a lot of resentment. I'm still looking for that pillow. No. <laughs> so. I'm, I, the last piece of work I did was, I think it was being angry with God, as I remember. Mm -hmm. And I, I was throwing my tantrum with God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then finally, there was nothing else to say anymore. Nothing else. No more tears to cry. And he said, okay, open your eyes and look around the group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember when I opened my eyes, it was like there was a new world out here. Yeah. And in the, the freedom I felt, the 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 purity 
was unbelievable. I mean, it was my senses were so acute at that moment. And even my voice dropped, I think, a couple <laughs> mm-hmm. decibels down. I mean, my voice deepened yeah. because I really connected to myself for yeah. the first time in my life as an adult. I mean, it right. was and I I did feel a sense of joy. That's that's the word. The, the other thing you're talking about, too, is that moment that's making me so nostalgic of it. That moment when you've been in that altered, the totally altered space that you've been doing the work. And, and they say, open your eyes and look around. And, 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 and I mean, think about all the rooms we've done, been in there and all the people that we've looked at. And it's like what's what's always there is just fucking pure love love. and people people just tuned into you there's there's a i don't care if it's a group of eight or if it's a group of you know 50 (laughs) it's like every when you do that kind of work everybody's right there with you and i love that moment when you i love the moment as a therapist when you get to say that too it's like just open your eyes and just look it's like because it's so cool yeah yeah once this covid thing stops time we got to do a retreat like that oh yes we get we need we need a padded room That's you know right. I, I wanted to be sure i asked uh before we wrapped up uh how's, how's it going with the storm over there in uh nashville tom oh oh th- thanks for asking it's th- as of today we're we we're 55 degrees the snow has melted That's a balmy have, a balmy 55 degrees yeah. buddy buddy i have not been down my driveway yet it's uh, but i uh, uh my wife has has been up and down from the barn uh and she said uh, earlier today it was still it was still some, some really slick spots but i'm pretty sure by now it's it's cleared so it's uh, it's uh, we 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 fared fine we you know we were already hunkered down with with covid and stuff and we just we can't get up and down the, the driveway uh, so we park one card at the bottom so that we could get out if we need to but otherwise we just feed critters and ourselves and and the snow has been beautiful here so you know i'll send you some pictures of me and lucas out walking in the snow well and let's give a call out to our friend carol who's down yes she yeah she she's in dallas of course of course i'm in tennessee so we didn't have we didn't have the issues that that texas have had but she, she said that that she had a couple of days before she got in without power where she uh, that she had to, to fare on her own before she got with some friends, uh, so and, but she said she was doing okay and uh, and, and you know she, her arm is healing from that injury and she said yes. that during the during the, the, the during during the crisis she said the arm did incredibly well she says there's a little she's a, you know sort of like you almost I think you get distracted from it or just necessity kicks in or whatever, but uh, but she said that she was uh, she says she's okay and we'll be back Thursday. Well, our hearts are with Carol and everyone in Texas that's going through this yeah. rough time. Yeah, you have that's, family down there, don't you, Patrick? Yeah, I do. How uh, are they doing? Uh, just alternating crises, you know, with plumbing and um, heating, power, and uh, um, yeah, hoping uh, there's some kind of national response I hear that's in the offing that I was happy to hear about um, uh, on my iPhone. My iPhone yeah. buzzed at me, and I guess there's something happening yeah. what where where's your family in texas uh wimberley uh which is fairly close to austin and kyle mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. um in houston 
So, yeah. yeah, see those places, especially I grew up in Texas. There's like, I mean, Dallas and, and that kind of stuff, you know, they're kind of like us in Nashville. They'll, they'll get the winter weather sometime. But, but I was, I had a client, a client in Austin that I was talking to a week before that. And it's like, she was saying they were predicted to get down to, to you know, zero and, and I think they met the expectation. It's, it's like, you know, they are used to that down there. Yeah. Know. When's the last time, I mean, when's the last time has Texas ever experienced an ice storm like that not, or, you know. i mean not 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 that part i mean there's some sometimes i grew up in 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 plainview texas which is up between lubbock and amarillo in the, in the panhandle you we did get some winter there at times but texas, texas is a big state so it's, it's like uh and i'm required as a texan to point that out to you by the way uh <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a big state so big it's so big it's so, so big <laughs> Yeah, I have to. I, 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 and that's one of the things I miss because of the COVID thing is, is I I'm way late for my my Texas ego recharge visit. You know, I need you have to get back. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's I'm having to conserve my Texas ego to be sure it lasts because I got to get back and and get get back to my good old arrogant Texan self. Do you, do you go back there every now and again, Tom? You have family. Yeah. There? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I don't, but I go back there anyway. And, and it's like, uh, and, and see, I have, I have my old college friends that are there. I, you know, but those are, those are the, those are the folks I go back to see. And I, and I actually have, have uh, clients there that, that uh, I've been doing workshops with them for, for a number of years uh, where I go every, every so often and go in there. It's that's one of the places I would, I would love for us to go, Cause I have a, a following down there that would love to come to a workshop when we get, when we, when we get free to, to, to yeah. travel again, I'd love for us to do that. Carol, Carol will help us with that for sure. And I just want to make a shout out to one of our guests that we've had on here before Robin, who came in with the dietitian and who wrote mm -hmm. the eating disorder mm -hmm. trap. I've mm -hmm. been reading that book and I got to tell you, she it's great. Did, she did a phenomenal job on that in terms of, not just looking at it from the nutritional standpoint of these issues and challenges, but she integrates the psychology well. But the other thing she does, I think, superbly is explode so many myths about food and nutrition. I mean, she's wonderful. It's the most commonsensical approach I've ever read. Right, right. I really recommend it to anybody. Uh, me too. I absolutely. And she's one of the best nutritionists I know are just amazing scientists. And, and, and she is, she is one of those people and, and, and to be, to be an amazing scientist and able to write in such a way that's that clear and that easily, easily absorbed, you know, for, for, you know, those of us that I'll speak for myself, but they're not scientists. It's like, it's, it's, it's a real, it's a really it's a wonderful it's, talent. It's a, it's a skill. It's a talent and a skill. It really is. All right. So we'll see everybody next week. It's a spiral, not a circle. Goes round, round, round. The solutions, be your own friend. Never say never in either direction. Look in the mirror, and trust the reflection. Deep in your heart, start right here. That's where it starts. Right here. Won't you look to?